Hello, and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Joey. Usually in Affable Chat, we dive as deep as we can into a topic of our choosing, and usually we talk about movies. Today is not an exception. Today I have a very special guest. I have the host of the C-Team podcast, our sister podcast, Kenny Cashman. Say hello, Kenny. Hello, thanks for having me back on. Excited to be back. Absolutely. And we're here to talk about a movie that Kenny has brought. That movie is Three Idiots. Hi! Everybody's here! Good morning. This is a Bollywood coming-of-age musical raunchy buddy and romantic comedy. The director is Rajkumar Hirani, and the cast includes Amir Khan, Mad Haven, Mona Singh, Sharman Joshi, and Karina Kapoor. I watched this on YouTube. Kenny, how did you watch this movie? Uh, the first time I saw this movie a few months ago, I watched on Netflix, and then this time around, I found it had been removed, and I went and watched it on Amazon Prime. Excellent. Yes. Um, Amazon has been giving me some trouble by making me buy the movie on the website before I go through the app. But regardless, <laughs> my, my, my complaints about the many streaming services I'm subscribed to will yeah. never end. So instead, we will uh, recap the events of Three Idiots uh, right now. Three friends, Faran, Raju, and Rancho, are first-year students in the prestigious Imperial College of Engineering in Delhi, India. While Faran and Raju struggle with the demanding college program, Rancho succeeds wildly, despite his unconventional approach to education and his frequent flaunting of rules and customs. On their first night in the dorm, all the freshmen are hazed brutally by the upperclassmen, but Rancho arrives late and refuses to participate. When an upperclassman threatens to piss on his door, Rancho rigs up a contraption to electrocute the bully through his stream. Thus begins a contentious and colorful academic career, Rancho's success breeds resentment from a fellow classmate called Chatur and the college's director, Dr. Viru Sahashrabudi, or Virus for short. Virus's own ex eccentricities and dogmatic beliefs make him a frequent target of Rancho's ire. After Virus tells a classmate to give up on a passion project and focus on his studies, the student commits suicide. At his funeral, Rancho tells Virus that the student was murdered by the intense pressure put on him by the school. We meet Faran and Raju's families. Faran's father wants him to become an engineer at any cost, even though Faran has dreams of becoming a wildlife photographer. And Raju's family is desperately poor and are betting on his successful career to save them from destitution. The pressure keeps Raju in a constant state of fear. The trio go on to crash a wedding. Observing one of the female guests being treated poorly by their partner, Rancho intervenes, advising the woman to run for her life. This woman turns out to be Virus's daughter, Pia, and the wedding is for her sister. Rancho and his friends are found out and kicked from the party. 
Raju becomes fearful that Rancho will threaten his success and moves in with Shatur. To teach Raju a lesson about the dangers of blind memorization, Rancho changes the words of a speech Shatur is giving to be incredibly insulting and vulgar. Shatur then challenges Rancho to a bet. They will meet again in 10 years and see who is more successful. Just before their exams, Raju's paralyzed father has a heart attack. Rancho, with Pia's help, rushes him to the hospital on a scooter. The doctors are able to save him thanks to his quick actions. Raju, recognizing how much Rancho cares about him, embraces him and the trio is officially back together. Pia also starts to believe she misjudged Rancho. Rancho places first in his class, while Farhan and Raju place last and second to last. Rancho makes a bet with Virus that if either of his friends get a job, Virus will shave his signature mustache. Rancho encourages Farhan to become a photographer like he always dreamed and tells Raju to abandon superstition and fear. Farhan tells Rancho to tell Pia how he really feels. Completely blasted, they sneak into Virus's house so Rancho can talk to Pia. Farhan and Raju piss on Virus's house and the three of them barely escape being caught. But the next day, Virus calls Raju to his office to expel him or to turn on Rancho. Instead, Raju jumps from a window. The doctors tell Rancho and Farhan that with the right encouragement, Raju will pull from his coma. They stage elaborate parties and major events to try to coax Raju from the brink of death. Eventually, it works and Raju recovers. He goes on to secure a competitive position from a visiting engineering firm. Virus's mustache is removed. Meanwhile, Farhan goes home to tell his father he wants to quit engineering to become a photographer. At first, his father is aghast, but eventually agrees to support his son. Pia gets wind that her father is planning an especially hard exam in order to fail Raju. She tells Rancho, who brings Farhan along for a heist. They steal the sample test, but they are caught by virus. All three are expelled on the spot, but as they are carrying their comically large bags through a monsoon, Virus's other daughter, Mona, goes into labor. The roads are flooded, so she has to deliver at the school. With Pia's teleguidance, Rancho steps up. He recruits the whole school to bring the building's power online and creates a vent hose out of a vacuum cleaner to help with the delivery. His ingenuity saves the baby and the mother. Virus, despite all his animosity, awards Rancho his special pen, which is his ultimate endorsement. But after graduation, Rancho disappears. Ten years later, Shatura gathers Farhan and Raju to gloat about his success, but Rancho is nowhere to be found. None of them have spoken to him since school. Shatur believes he has his address, so they go there, but the man claiming to be Rancho isn't their friend. After some threatening with guns and urns, the fake Rancho admits he is the real Rancho and that their friend from school was the gardener's boy. He was especially gifted at science and math and would sneak into school to learn. The real Rancho's father was embarrassed at being illiterate, so instead of teaching his son to read, he had the gardener's boy attend a prestigious engineering school so that Rancho could put his name on a degree. The Rancho from Farhan and Raju's school days agreed to disappear. But the fake rancho has a lead, so Farhan and Raju tie up Chatur and follow it. On the way, they crash Pia's wedding. Pia leaves her husband at the altar in pursuit of her once and future love. Eventually, the entire crew arrives in a remote village. They spy all kinds of unique contraptions being built and used by children. Out flying a model plane, they spy their friend and wrestle him to the ground in relief and joy. Chatur, seeing that Rancho is but a schoolteacher, declares victory and has Rancho sign a declaration of defeat. But Rancho isn't Rancho's real name. He is, in fact, a renowned inventor and entrepreneur, one that Chatur's company was looking to court. As the trio and Pia run, Chatur chases, begging for forgiveness. The end. 
There you go. The events of three idiots uh, quickly summarized for you. It's a two hour and 45 minute movie. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that. Um, now we're going to go through our pros and cons. Uh, first, we'll start with Kenny. What did you like about Three Idiots? I think the movie does a really great job of blending comedy and tragedy. Uh, the antics of the characters are entertaining both when they're in the college and as they search for Rancho in the present. But the focus on academic stress and the several suicides that occur throughout the film bring the levity to an abrupt halt with a reminder of what life can be like for students under pressure. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's amazing, the blend. And it feels like it's going to be a tonal, like, um, like it's going to be so tonally different, but for, somehow this movie really pulls that off. I also think uh, that while this movie has fewer musical numbers than a lot of other Bollywood productions, the songs it does have are very catchy and fun. And I also only noticed on my second time through, but the melodies of the songs being pl are being played throughout the movie at relevant parts. Uh, and it's, very, it's a very fun way of tying everything together. Uh, for example, when they first introduce Pia, they, they play the melody of uh, Zuby Doobie. Uh, and it's, it's just a nice little... It's it's pretty classic in, in film, but I didn't notice it the first time before I'd heard the songs, and I just think it ties things together nicely. Call that elite motif. Love that shit. Love like I, I almost <laughs> used the word motif, but I wasn't sure if it was correct, so I didn't. It is. It is. Elite motif specifically is uh, for, for musicals or uh, sound cues, so very cool. And the other thing I really liked about the movie is just the way it's formatted. I think it's a really great way to tell the story to begin in the present day and establish that Rancho is missing. Uh, it kind of establishes intrigue and then we flash back to see how everyone met and became friends and it helps to contextualize who the characters are and why they're looking for rancho and then the concurrent stories are structured well with pia entering both stories partway through as a romantic interest and an added member of the crew going to find rancho yeah there's i really like all that stuff i think it is those are things that make the movie really unique um for me this movie is genuine um, it's heart-wrenching, and it's sincerely funny. I really feel like it's very, very well-written, very, very well-acted, um, and it's, again, funny throughout. Um, the musical moments are welcome, and I think they're all wonderful. Uh, there's some really creative and artistic bits. I'm thinking especially of the part where they visit uh, Raju's family, and the whole thing's in black and white to yeah. indicate that they're, like, so poor that they're, like, living in the dark ages. Um and uh, speaking as someone with an engineering degree, I felt like this was a solid, meaningful message that really spoke to me. And uh, this movie made me cry a whole lot. I was just sobbing on my couch watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really heart-wrenching. Uh, I, I don't recall if I cried the first time, but I did the second time around uh, several times. There's, there's so many moments where they make you feel like you're safe in a, in a, comical happy moment and then all of a sudden there's there's just a sudden uh twist that you know they're they're flying uh they're flying this this helicopter with the, or this drone with a camera on it that they just fix for the student and you know I, my thought was they're going to show him doing something embarrassing in his room as they showed uh chatter in his underwear and then he's hanging from the ceiling yeah uh, so uh, it's they they really just like hit you with it for me the parts that were most like I don't know, tear jerking were the happy moments of reconciliation and, um, you know, bringing together, um, uh, that stuff was certainly shocking to me, but it wasn't, I wasn't like shocked into tears as much as I was brought sure. to tears by how, just how m moving, uh, this friendship was. Um, but okay. Uh, w let's go on to our cons. Um, 
Kenny, what did you not like about Three Idiots? I honestly at first struggled to think of things because I, I do really like this movie. And while I don't think it's flawless, it nothing came to mind immediately. Um, but everything does play out a little bit too cleanly for me on a little bit further consideration um, with all the characters coming together uh, at the end of the movie. Um, Rancho, he turns out to be the, the person that Chatter is looking for. Um, Millimeter, who is who is sort of their, I don't know what to call him, sort of like assistant at the school. Yeah, he's like a... He, yeah, he's like a janitor slash like handyman. Yeah, but he's like a but he's like a young boy. He's like not right. old enough to be in the college, but he just like assists with moving and uh, and that, you know, be, he's just kind of around. And then yeah, and then he ends up at Rancho School with him at the end, which you know that's not totally unbelievable. But then Pia just happens to Pia happens to be getting, be getting married on the exact day that they're going to find Rancho. That's very convenient, uh, and I, I like it. It's all fun and it it works well that everything comes together like that, but it is very convenient. It's not how things usually work in real life, um, yeah. but it, it, it was fun. And then Raju's internal strife and stress regarding his family was great, but his personal goals to me didn't feel as clear as other characters in the movie. They mentioned that he wants to be an engineer, but it didn't feel as explored as the motivations of other characters. And the fact that at the end, they just sort of said he had a blog. It, it felt tacked <laughs> on where they're like, Oh, I mean, the Faron having these photography books was also right. a little bit strange, but it's just that the photography thing was tied in, and then they're just like, "Oh yeah, Raju, you have a blog. He yeah, reads your blog so all the time." Funny. It's like, yeah, it's like, like Faron, you're a successful photographer. Look at all these books that you've done. And yeah. like, oh, and equally as awesome, <laughs> Raju has a WordPress account. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that that felt it didn't feel like it was as well explored. Um, I don't think it necessarily needed to be because, like I say, the the stuff with his family and um, I do think that he was kind of the one that really pulled together the friendship and brought about those heartwarming, uh, you know, emotional moments with um, first his dad being all of the friends coming together for his dad uh, and then all of the friends coming together when he jumped out a window. Um, but it, the academic side to me didn't feel as well explored for him. And then my last con, I don't personally know a lot about science, but when I was looking online, uh, it seemed like the writers might not know a lot about science either. Uh, I saw people online saying things like the inverter and the drone with the camera were not impressive for college students in that day. Uh, and then when I was looking online as well, people had said the vacuum cleaner to deliver baby j just would not work. It was mm. impossible. Again, I don't know a lot, but if if that's inaccurate, then... I think it undermines a little bit, but it's also not really the point. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't I didn't really consider that. I just kind of took it for granted. Yeah, um, as did I. And like I said, I was looking for cons, and I found right, right. you know people criticizing. I agree with you. It's difficult to find criticism for this movie. Um, for me, I thought the wacky sound effects were a little distracting, especially like the slide whistle. <laughs> I thought that was crazy. I was like, I don't think this is, I think the only movie I've ever watched that has a slide whistle on it. Like, seriously. And then, like, the boom. I always, this is how, it, this is what I call, like, the, every time there was, like, dramatic moment or a dramatic dialogue, please. There was just, like, this, like, thing in the background where they yeah. were, like, boom. Like, just, like, to emphasize the points. Uh, like, I think the dialogue and the acting is really good in this movie. I don't think it needs this extra punch to, like, grab your attention. And honestly, these things sort of started to grow on me as I was watching the movie. But at first, I felt that they were pretty distracting. The whole thing is kind of long and 
sprawling too. Like it just it covers a lot of ground. Um, the timeline is kind of stretched pretty far, so it, it's it's sort of, it kind of is trying to do a lot as well, um, which I think can leave you sort of feeling exhausted. But I did not feel tired or like. I didn't feel like, oh, I can't wait for this movie to be over, even though it's so long. I really felt like it kept my attention. It kept me engaged, and I really wanted to know what happened. Um, and even though it covers a lot of ground, I didn't really feel like it was – it didn't feel long, which I think is pretty impressive. Yeah, I I haven't seen a ton of Bollywood movies, and I don't so I don't know if this is accurate, but the sound effects I feel like might be representative of uh, – I think you're right. Yeah, and so I – it felt fitting to me, but I definitely understand how it, it takes you out of it. You know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily dislike when there was a slide, which I thought it was funny, but it, it reminds me, Oh yeah, I'm watching like a silly movie you know, that <laughs> has slide whistles in it. Yes, for sure. Okay. So let's move on to our overall section and get into the meat of this movie. Um, Kenny, you picked this movie as your fourth pick in our two thousands, <laughs> comedy movie tournament that we did on he's done it Corey's podcast our other sister podcast jeez what a what a lead up but um i had never i had heard this movie um i had never seen it i didn't know anything about it um but why why does this movie stand out to you and what what about this movie speaks to you personally yeah i in that draft that we did i i mentioned it was literally the last movie i expected anyone else to take um but it it's it stood out to me because We've touched on this, but the I think the friendships depicted in the movie are really touching. Uh, the the trio of Ra- uh, Rancho, Faran, and Raju, they tease and joke with one another, but when one of them is in need, they always have each other's backs, which is a very realistic depiction of, especially, I think, college males and you know young adult males. Um, but it, they do a great job of representing this with the response to both Raju's father's medical emergency and Raju's attempted suicide and the subsequent comatose state. Uh, and the way that they depict these with the characters not being afraid to show their emotions, I think is really moving. And as you mentioned, the actors do a great job. I Not for a second did I not believe that they were really feeling these emotions. Uh, and I just think by dealing with such heavy topics, the movie allows the characters to show just how much they care for one another because they're reacting to these situations that happen in real life that are really difficult. Things that are unexpected that you can't control and things that you do control, but you know, you're doing for reasons that maybe things that people other, that other people don't understand. Uh, and I just think that the, I think that it, it's not just the acting either, but sort of the way the movie's edited, it just feels, it makes it feel very frantic when they find out that Raji was jumped out a window and then it just cuts to them rushing to get to him. And like, they're all covered in blood and they're trying to you know get him to the hospital and make sure everything's going to be okay. I just think that all of the different parts of the movie kind of come together to just show a really genuine friendship between these three, which I think runs the risk of being undercut by Rancho just disappearing, but they also give a good reason for that in the movie as well. So I just think it feels like a really genuine depiction of sort of a close male friendships that sometimes in real life people aren't comfortable being this close uh, for one reason or another. And I, I, it's nice to see it represented. I, I could not agree with, with you more. And it, I didn't notice this right away because, uh, I, because I was just kind of caught up in the story, but, um, they're not afraid to show their characters crying and like feeling that deep emotion. And they don't 
undercut that with a joke or you know something like oh like you're such a sissy for crying or they don't make any sort of comment about like how this is emasculating or how they like you know there are a bunch of girls or or anything like that right it's all very it's um it's taken as this is a you know positive thing or this is like a, a meaningful thing and even though like there's moments where rancho is sort of hiding behind a pillar and trying to wipe his eyes and everything just to kind of like you know, put on a more of a brave face they're not afraid to show their characters that are supposed to be our heroes in deep emotional distress and also in these uh moments of pure like happiness and, and reconciliation i felt like that was really really powerful and i i was right there with them you know i was definitely crying and having them cry on screen and never undercut that linger on that keep that in focus was um i think such a brilliant move it really brings the emotion to the screen it really melt made me feel like i was part of the story and it was um i think something that you don't that people are are and movies are afraid to show show that kind of vulnerability and i think that's a shame i think that we tend to um overemphasize this idea of like being a stoic person especially if you're a male right and having these guys in this very male-centered place right uh even though they mentioned that there's girls at the school i don't think i saw a single girl at the school (laughs) maybe in the background once but like nobody in the class is like is a female at all but like being in this heavy male environment and having these guys show true friendship and emotion to each other um is really powerful to me i really really appreciated that yeah i think even in at least you know in the united states and sort of more western society it's even watching movies you're supposed to be stoic you know something really emotional happens your favorite character dies or there's a really happy emotional moment people try not to let others seeing them see them cry um and, and as for uh females in the college i noticed that someone said that and i started watching there was at least one in the background at one point but yeah it, it was it was strange <laughs> typical for an engineering school i would say but <laughs> yes and uh, another thing that's like i don't know just makes it kind of strange as, as a story uh, but uh, maybe maybe accurately represented but not necessarily a um a positive representation for sure yeah, what does this movie remind you of? What does this movie make you think of in your own life or in anything else? It reminded me of my own time in uh, both high school and college. Um, I, along with many people pursuing education, felt pressured to make sure I was doing the right thing to create the best future for myself. And it's extremely stressful and can feel unbearable at times without a proper support system to guide you through it all. And just like Rancho, Farhan, and Raju, I was trying to have fun and enjoy myself when I was in school, but the weight of everything would come crashing down when it came down to making sure I excelled academically. I also had some teachers who were extremely intelligent in their fields, but didn't know how to teach. Uh, I had one specific science teacher in high school who he's he's so intelligent. He's a genius. Uh, you know, He knows so much, but he would start explaining things to the class and he would write all the stuff on the board and speak a mile a minute. And then when I would ask him something, he would just not understand how I didn't understand. And yeah. it remind you know, the scene where uh, Rancho goes into the classroom and is, he says he's teaching Virus how to teach. He's not teaching him engineering. You know, sometimes I think, you know, I know teachers do go through education to learn how to teach, but sometimes it feels like they're missing something. Uh, and that certainly doesn't help with the stress of academics either when you're you feel so pressured to make sure you're doing the right thing and always moving toward a goal and 
you're not on the same page as your teacher or professor and you don't feel like they're helping you along the way, uh, which certainly in the adversarial relationship that was shown in this movie, uh, I think that was a pretty clear example of that. Yeah, I think this is I think this is really interesting commentary on education. I certainly felt like it was representative of my own experience. You know, I had very similar experience to what you're describing, Kenny, and I felt like this idea of like adhering to a certain regimen and you know making sure there's a lot of emphasis on memorization and um, not a lot of like application and even when there was like situations where application was necessary, we didn't have the structure to actually apply that. You know, we didn't have the understanding. And um, I think that there were some people in my class that were able to get to that point, but it was difficult for me to find the motivation to like actually like try to get, like do the extra work, the extra like legwork to get there. And yeah, I, I had a hard time like focusing on what was the content and instead of trying to just get the grade, you know, he has a pretty clear vision of what education should be. You know, it's not really, I don't think it's necessarily articulated, but he definitely knows what's wrong and he's quick to point that out. What, what do you think of that? Do you think he has merit for that? I definitely do. He likes to challenge what is learned in school and compare it to what is used in the real world, which is what we're talking about here. He favors understanding over knowledge, which is harder to test for on a large scale, but I think is ultimately more useful. He points out an inherent flaw with the way students are expected to learn, being expected to regurgitate information rather than demonstrate an understanding, which is shown in the scene where he's asked to define what a machine is, and he is explaining it as he understands it, and then Chacher gives the dictionary definition and gets you know, rewarded high marks and Rancho gets kicked out of the class. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this is particularly true in hard science disciplines. And while it seems uh, beneficial to have information memorized, I think Rancho's perspective is largely a better way for students to learn. And of course, it's not across the board, but it's if you memorize something, you're going to forget it. But if you understand something, you're more likely to be able to actually utilize it and then remember it long term. Uh, and I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't pull this quote for us to play because it was, I think, all in Hindi, but uh, I wrote down the translation here where Rancho is talking to Virus and he says, what's the point, sir? Here they don't discuss new ideas or inventions. They discuss grades, jobs, settling in the USA. They teach how to get good scores. They don't teach engineering. And honestly, going back to that science teacher I had in high school, that was for an AP class. I didn't understand a single th thing through the entire class, but we went and took the AP exam and I got a four. Because yeah. he taught me how to get good grades. Yes. But I don't know anything about the science we were supposed to be learning in that class. And so I, this, I think there is merit to that. There's this phenomenon called uh, Good Arts Law. Um, it's written by this guy. He's an economist from Britain, I believe. Um, the, the law states, when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. This is something that my brother, who is a math teacher, uh, reminds me of all the time. That um, when you're teaching... When, when you're graded on how well you do on a test, right? Suddenly the grade becomes the most important thing, not the content, right? Um, because you're maybe the, maybe at some point, you know, assigning scores to tests or to students uh, was a helpful way to, um, you know, find students that were, were slipping or find, you know, subjects that were not doing well. But because the only thing that mattered was that, uh, 
point system, uh, suddenly it becomes the only thing. It, it suddenly becomes the only thing that students care about. And I think that the I saw that phenomenon over and over again throughout high school and college. The kids that were at the top of the class, the ones that were you know the smartest and most um, like most applied, they would try to learn to. Uh, they, they would try to learn how to get good grades. They weren't learning how to like uh, absorb the information. And it always sat wrong with me, but I was never quite like good enough to do, to like make that differentiation. I was just trying to get by, but I, I, I could recognize that uh, these students didn't care so much about what they were learning as much as they did about what was going to give them the best score. And they were taught that because that was, what was the most important? That was what's going to determine their future was how good that score was. So they weren't wrong to put the emphasis on it, but it, it, uh, it certainly was detrimental to their understanding and to the uh, school's stated purpose, in my opinion. It, it's just strange, I think, that we've gotten to this point and because education is such a hot-button issue, but also because there's almost no resources dedicated to education, it just seems to get worse and worse. Yeah, what you're describing, it sounds like they were they were doing what they were supposed to within the system, but the system itself is flawed. Exactly. exactly. And I had a, I had, I, I studied abroad in, in Europe when I was in college and my, my class from the United States, which it seems like from this movie that what they were showing in, in Delhi is, is what I have experienced in the United States as well. But when we were in Europe, we asked about grades and they said, we don't grade you, you know, we, we teach you. And at the end of the course you pass or fail. And, pretty much you pass because as long as you're coming to class you're learning but people were like well how do we know what we're aiming for and the professor said we're you're aiming to learn we're (laughs) we're trying to teach you we're not giving you grades and and I, i think even the idea of just knowing how to take tests has for me extended into my adult life because if i'm at work doing a training and it's multiple choice. I don't have to do the training. I don't have to read anything. I just know how to answer the questions because I yes. know how to do multiple choice tests, you know? Exactly. I, I mean, that that was my, <laughs> my experience recently. We were rolling out some new software at work and they have all these elaborate uh, training sessions and stuff. I went through them and then I would go through the test and I was like, ah. you know, uh, some of these I don't know the answer to, but it's easy, you know? You, right. There's, yeah. there's patterns to, to pick up on. Um, yeah, I've always, always a good test taker. And um, I don't think that was a reflection of my intelligence in any way. I felt like I recognized patterns and I recognized how people made tests. And it made, me, made it easier for me to, to pass that sort of thing. But it didn't make me feel like I was actually learning anything. It made me feel like I was uh, cheating the system. You know? Right. So besides education, what, what themes in this movie really spoke out to you? The idea of the specific interpretations of success, specifically the monetary and material success versus happiness, spoke to me a lot. Uh, it's it's baffling to me that anyone in this world can think that the purest form of success is anything other than happiness with oneself and one's own life. But it's a fact of the matter. People do. The thought of being rich and miserable is, for me, so much worse than being happy and poor. But when you look at the people who are rich in this world, they're just striving to be rich. They don't seem to really be pursuing happiness. And I think that Chacha and Rancho represent these two, the opposite ends of this uh, idea of success. Rancho's attitude and journey are admirable. And I enjoy watching how he's always, how he always lives the life that he wants to and does his best to ensure others do the same. 
The fact that he doesn't even show up to the meeting 10 years later while Chacha has continued to obsess over it tells all regarding who is more successful without even needing the eventual punchline that Rancho has excelled in both his and Chacha's idea of success and that he is the Wangdu, I believe, is, yeah, the, uh, is the person. Yes, and that's right. the, So in the end, it shows that he's successful for himself and Chacha's definitions, but he was just pursuing his best life, his happiest life, and... Uh, He'd forgotten about everything with Chatter, and Chatter was obsessed over it. Uh, and and I just think it shows kind of the two sides of the coin of how people view success. Yeah, I was I was expecting some sort of twist on the definition of success at the end, right? Where Rancho maybe isn't a monetarily successful right. entrepreneur, and but he like but when he sits down with Chatter and says, "This is what my life is like," and I, I feel like this is success. Right. And then we're left up to the audience is left up to decide, you know, who actually is most successful. But um, I think it is powerful to show that Rancho was right all along. Right. And that his approach led to success. Ultimately, this movie is trying to endorse a certain like view of education and uh, a certain attitude. And so showing that, you know, our hero truly winning in every aspect uh, certainly endorses that. But um I was, I, it's kind of something I was wishing, and maybe this would make the movie like 15 minutes longer, but to have some sort of philosophical debate about what success means. This movie does have a lot of, uh, it does throw a lot of ideas out there about, you know, what, what it means to do something or what it means to succeed at something. But I would have liked some sort of thesis at the end to say, okay, well, you know, um, you define, Chantar, you define success as having, you know, a hot wife and a big house and you know, fancy cars and, what, you know, being a part of this business or whatever. But I define success as having an impact on these children's lives or, like, you know, inspiring the next generation or, you know, building something that people uh, like and use and is useful to them. Um, you know, there, there's, a, there's different definitions that you could throw out there, and I would like to kind of have that explicitly nailed down a little bit uh, to, to, to kind of chew on. Um, yeah, I, I think that is a, it is interesting. And I, I, but I do think it, this idea that like you, uh, you have to be rich to be happy is sort of supported by the movie by having, right. um, yeah. all of our characters turn out fine right. by the end, you know? Well, yeah. And there's, there's the opportunity here for Chatter to learn a lesson and he just doesn't, you know, at the end, he just, he signs the deal that he wants and, and, you know, he's happy because he's continued to be successful. And I think something they could explore is, the life that Chatter is leading, Rancho could lead that life if he wanted. He has the the opportunity, whereas Chatter couldn't really live the life that Rancho leads because he needs to be ambitious and and you know follow not necessarily his dreams because he didn't want what Rancho wanted, but f- to follow a dream rather than to just search for this ideal that, uh, especially at the end when Rancho ends up with Pia, he could go live essentially the exact life that Chatter has, but he doesn't because it's not what he wants. But exactly. uh, y- y- you're right that um, it is, you know, trying to show, yeah, if you do what Rancho does, you'll also be rich and successful. And right. <laughs> if you do what Faron does, you'll write books about photography and also be rich and successful. And you can have a blog if you want. If you want to go down <laughs> you can even have Street. a blog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think that is... It is interesting to see that. And I think that it is powerful showing Chateur is so unwilling to learn, right? One of my favorite characterizations of him is how he was slipping like porn magazines under the doors of the other <laughs> classmates to distract them. Hilarious. And um, it's like, 
he's really is about trying to get ahead and he recognizes that uh, to get ahead also means just well really just means being better than everybody else right, right. it doesn't actually mean succeeding on your own terms it means having a definition and then pursuing that definition um, and I do appreciate a antagonist who is um, actually really good at the thing they stated to do they're just misguided right um, having him actually become successful and actually follow the path that was dictated to him and do that like shows that it is possible right and that he's not totally wrong it's just that his definition of what a happy life is or what a good life is is completely skewed um and uh even though it could technically work out right on paper it works out right it doesn't necessarily mean that uh he's achieved what he wants to achieve or what he stated is to achieve i wonder how much that um bet fueled his pursuit you know after college your definition of success is much more up to you right Becoming the top of the class is obviously a tangible, real goal that you can set for yourself. But after college, it's it's much more, you know, it's much more vague. So I wonder how much right. like his idea of like I need to succeed as much as possible in order to beat Rancho was something that was motivating him. Um, and I, I'm curious to know, like, I'm curious if if there was a follow up to this movie or if that was something that the writers thought about at all about like maybe he becomes um, listless or directionless after he. Uh, after the bet is concluded. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, for me, down to guesswork and, and just sort of interpreting it through my own lens. But I know, as you were saying, when you're in school, there's a clear definitive goal. And if you know you want to be better than others or if you just want to graduate or whatever it is, there's goals put in place there. Whereas now I'm out of school. I've been out of school for a while. I currently live in an apartment. It would be nice to have a house. There's nothing necessarily driving me to rush to it you know because if it doesn't happen this year maybe next year there's no real timer but if i were in a competition with someone well there's the timer so again it's kind of just speculation but it seems like it would motivate him to try to get to these things more quickly uh because most people they would have been what early 30s most people aren't at you know at that point in their lives aren't as successful monetarily and and uh, materialistically as as Chatter was at the end of the movie with his house and his hot wife and his cars, you know? <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's uh, let's move to the comedy aspect of this movie because this movie is pretty funny. Um, but it is a Bollywood movie. I feel like its humor is kind of different. Uh, I mean, it's cert I certainly found it funny, but I, I wasn't what I would consider a traditional comedy, I think. Um, what, what do you think was like the biggest difference between American traditional American comedies or American comedies uh, from this era and this movie. Well, this isn't really addressing the specific kind of comedic beats of the movie, but I don't think that American comedies, at least then, maybe more these days, but I think then they didn't tackle real life problems as much as as Three Idiots did. Uh, a lot of American comedies will have some lesson or heartwarming ending, uh, which you know Three Idiots follows. Just kind of in the same way but it's usually two people falling in love or some sort of platonic care for each other and three idiots does do this but they also tackle things like suicide and poverty and following one's dreams versus trying to succeed academically academically 
And while American comedies sometimes tack on some sort of real life moment at the end, Three Idiots had them throughout. And I think it helped to keep the story grounded and moving. And so I don't necessarily, it's hard for me to think of like the specific jokes or or moments that are as funny and compare them to sort of uh, American comedies of the, of the era. I think that they sort of just approach it differently of putting comedy into a movie about life rather than making a comedy and then throwing in some real life in there. I I think that maybe this is not a perfect comparison, but you could compare this movie to something like Animal House, right? Where it's like a comedy, it's college comedy, right? But there's a bunch of wacky characters and a, you know, kind of climactic ending. But, um, that movie and a lot of movies that kind of fit into that mold follow this this mold that you or this uh, structure that you just dictated, which is more like vignettes, right? There's a bunch of funny moments, episodic moments with your characters, and maybe these all build to something, right? But I felt like Three Idiots wasn't quite as episodic. It felt like things flowed a lot easier for me, and um, the comedy really felt like it was emphasizing the feeling of being in college right more so than it was like oh like we have a really funny idea for a joke right we have a really funny bit that we're trying to we're trying to slot in here it was more like how do we get that how do we give the audience the feeling like they are part of this friend group or or like how how do they like they're part of this crew and um you know how does it how does it feel to be in college there's that moment when um pia gets drunk and comes into the um room to warn Rancho that uh, her father is going to create that heart test, right? And uh, Ferran is under the covers just giggling uh, the whole time, trying to pretend that he's not listening. I think that it's it's really funny. And um, I felt like I've been in that exact position before where I was trying to, like, you know, keep quiet but like right. the the more that i was trying to keep quiet the funnier the situation got and you just get you just get you just are under the covers just trying to like stifle your laughter um i, I thought the stuff like that was like uh, very character like like built a lot for our characters and also gave me that feeling of what it was like to be there i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm like reaching here maybe uh american comedies are better structured than i'm giving it credit for um but this movie i feel like was really solid it was very well written and i felt like every moment led to the next and all of the comedy served like its greater thematic purpose yeah and i don't think it necessarily has to be about better or worse comparing you know hollywood versus bollywood let's say but i think you're right in that there's i feel like there aren't as many jokes in this movie it's just things that happen that are funny and they're funny when they happen in the real world when whereas if you look at I've thought about this when watching some American comedies of there will be, you know, really funny jokes. But then if you think about that happening in the real world, people don't tell jokes like that. You know, it's like people aren't talking like stand up comedians and like like delivering jokes to to their friends the way that they do in in some movies like that. And so I think it makes it feel a little more real. Yeah, it's the sitcom feeling. If you watch a lot of sitcoms you start to say things that are just mean to your friends <laughs> yeah. because you think that there's like a laugh track. You think there's an audience that's like getting along with you, you know? Right. Um, 
I noticed that happening to me. I don't remember what I was watching. I remember watching like a whole bunch of episodes in a row of something. And then I would go out and be like, and then this. And it's like, nobody's laughing. You're just being mean. <laughs> you know? And it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think even though this movie kind of does have a laugh track behind it in some parts where there's like literally canned laughter that's playing in the background, like some of the sound effects, I do think that you're right. It's like the situations are... Um, more grounded, I guess, and it kind of lends itself to this like familiarity that I think is. is well, and good. I think the times that they do kind of use that sort of canned laughter is times when people probably would actually right, laugh right. There's the an audience of people yeah, laughing, right. but it does sound right. like <laughs> canned yes, laughter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Um, okay, uh, one of my favorite songs from the movie is this one, which I, I pro- if I probably will regret playing this, but because I'm probably gonna get copy strike, but I'm gonna play it anyway. So all is well is a um is is a rancho's motto. It's something that he repeats to himself in order to calm down it's sort of similar it sort of fits like a similar role to him as like counting to 10 i would say yeah something like that um but it, i feel like it has sort of a nuanced and interesting meaning throughout the movie and uh even the way he describes how he found the phrase uh is sort of a uh, ironic um like ironic retelling uh, so what what do you feel like all is well means in this movie and does it mean anything to you yeah, I think what you're saying makes sense where it's sort of meant to calm and ground him sort of like a, you know, like a something that you would learn in therapy, like counting to 10. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes we don't know if something is going to play out well for us or if it's going to go poorly. And to me, the way it was described and, and shown in the movie, all is well isn't meant to suggest that everything is going to work out 100% of the time or that any given situation will work out exactly as planned, but rather that telling oneself that it will leads to a more favorable outcome. When there are things we can't control, we can either worry about it and cause unnecessary suffering or tell ourselves that all is well and allow some amount of peace before seeing what happens next. And I think that when facing something we can influence, stressing is going to lead to worse performance while believing that all is well helps to keep us focused and working toward our goal. I'm sure there are studies about, you know, positive self-talk. There definitely are. And I think that it sort of fits into that. There was this famous TED talk where this woman was talking about like how your stance like affects your mood, right? Where like, if you're going to an interview, you shouldn't like sit closed off and like kind of hunched over. You should like, be like act confident right stand right. wide open and everything turns out all of that's bullshit but um it doesn't it doesn't i i still felt like i had some sort of like placebo effect on me you know like right. just just acting in that way and like telling myself that like it's going to be okay and to, and to go in there and just act confident um i think did me a lot of good at least internally you know and i feel like i was able to project myself better um, so, uh, and I feel like all is well definitely fits into that same category. I think you're exactly right that where it's like, if you believe that something good can happen, then, um, it's more likely to happen because you're, right. you're going to, uh, try to, you know, make that, ha- make that come true. It's a sort of visualization type exercise in a way. Um, 
yeah, I, I think it, it is interesting. I really liked how he was talking about it, especially when he talks about how like the, the heart is easy to trick. And yeah. simply saying it out loud suddenly gives it this feeling like, oh, maybe I can make it out of this situation or maybe maybe things might work out even when things don't seem like they're going to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, this might be a, a an insight as to just me being gullible, but <laughs> I think I've had a lot of a lot of times where not necessarily hearing that everything's going to go well or poorly, but. I'll hear someone say something sometimes and they say it with such confidence that I take it as fact. You know, they'll say, oh, if you want to do this in your life, you have to do this. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. You have to do this. And then I take a step back and I think, okay, wait, this person is just saying words. They don't, (laughs) this isn't some like science of this, then this. Uh, But I think, you know, without taking that step back, some people, myself included, will hear something and just, and just take it to be true. And so if you hear all as well, you know, then you're just going to, go into things with a more positive attitude. Yeah, I think something really powerful, I mean, from this movie was when they tr- they're they able to gr- uh, raise Raju from his coma, right? They All of them are around him and they're constantly telling him that things are better and like, oh, your father has is no longer paralyzed. Your mother has a, was able to afford um, new, new clothes. Uh, your sister's getting married to Farhan. You know, <laughs> they have like a whole celebration and all this stuff. And um, even though after Raju woke up and said, I know you guys are lying, there was, I feel like all that was required was a single moment of belief, right? A single moment of maybe this is true, right? And that was enough to like bring him to the surface and to uh, start him on the road to recovery. And I think that moment of like what you're describing of like when you first hear something, you're like, oh man, I think that is true. It, it's that is what Rancho is trying to like weaponize or what he's trying to utilize right is that just that tiny moment of confidence tiny moment of belief is all that's required for you to make it true okay so let's talk about something not so much fun uh which is uh suicide so this movie features several moments of suicide i think there are three characters in the story that commit suicide or attempt suicide two of them on screen one of them in uh, dialogue, it's Fires's son, who um, they, we learn committed suicide after he didn't get into the college. Um, and this is something that sort of revolves around the school, right? Um, the, there's lots of statistics about students killing themselves um, because of school pressure and everything. I was actually going through a bunch of suicide statistics in preparation for this podcast, which is extremely depressing stuff. But it's um, there's, there's, there's some conflicting information about like what the prevalence of this is, but I did find one article that claimed that um, there was like 28 students per year were killing themselves or something like that in India, uh, which is a very high number, um, but it is also a pretty big country. Anyway, um, it, this, we talked about how the education system can be detrimental to your definitions of success, but do you feel like the school system and specifically virus, our director is responsible for the students, uh, killing themselves? This is obviously a big question. Um, I would say he's complicit and at fault for some of the deaths more than others, I don't think it's right to put something like that entirely on one person, but the environment he creates at his school is one of the factors that leads to students feeling there is no other way forward. 
he holds his students to standards that are unrealistic because it's how he operates and feels others should do the same. And the pressure he puts on people is far too much, given how much these young people have on their shoulders. He is further sadistic at times, such as when he forced Raju to choose between writing an expulsion letter for his own father or for Rancho's father. His school and its competitive nature also discourage collaboration and cooperation, which we see, as you mentioned, with Chatur trying to sabotage the other students. And it creates an environment in which nobody feels that they can ask others for help, whether that's academically or emotionally. And so I think the short answer is he's not completely at fault, but I think he's to blame to some extent as a major factor in in these tragic events. It's hard to say with his son, for example, because we don't see it, but it's it's his school that his son doesn't get into. And not to say, oh, it's your son, you should let him into the school, but you could be there for him as a father. And it sounds like he wasn't. Yeah, well, I was rewatching that scene where he's talking about where he pours all the other um, resumes or uh, like letters, right, onto the floor. And it's like, these are all the eggs that you crushed on your way to here, right? And he talks about his son and how his son applied three times and didn't get in. And the again, the acting in this movie is impeccable. The look on his face, he's like, he's almost proud of the fact that his son didn't get into the school, right? right? right. Which is backwards for so many reasons. <laughs> but it's like, he he loves that this is something that's so exclusive and that like these people have to like um capitulate to all of his whims right and he's so freaking eccentric right he believes that uh shaving his face is a waste of time but he takes a seven minute nap every day to an opera it's just so strange but um i i like that they they gave him so much characterization i thought that was fun and i also really like that he never drew his mustache back um i thought that was also like because 10 years later he still has a mustache shaved right um, yeah, I think I think I agree with you that he is complicit to this. I think th- um, this is one of those things where um, if something like this is happening around you a lot, you might want to start looking at yourself, <laughs> you know, being right. like, um, maybe there is something I could do that would stop this from happening. Maybe, maybe I'm not doing anything to encourage it necessarily, but maybe I could do something to make this less likely. Um, and the fact that he like sees this school as being so exclusive and that like it's like you either succeed or are weeded out um is a really toxic way to view a school um but also just anything in life because lots of people have lots of different talents and people can bring those talents to the forefront and elevate your program if you allow them to um simply saying that they're not worthy uh excludes a lot of worthy talent you know so I, I I thought it was really interesting when Rancho comes up to him after uh, Joy's death, right, and says, um, like, you're responsible for this, right, and says, like, he was murdered, um, especially since everyone's, like, you know, feeling a lot of emotions in this moment. Well, obviously, he sort of walks that back a little bit and says, like, it's the system that's the problem. But right. it was still a really powerful moment and something that stuck with me, and I never quite lost track of that. I, I felt like throughout the story it was clear that virus is playing some sort of role in these people feeling this way especially raju because he's in the office and then he steps out of his window during the seven minute shave um and he's and it's like what like he's not even paying attention right he's not even aware that this is happening around him it, it's so um and, and what he's doing to these people and honestly like he doesn't have anything to lose by this right because uh, a student not succeeding just makes his school look like it's that much more competitive. 
The first thing I want to say here is if I could take a seven and a half minute power nap and someone would shave me, I would look scruffy a lot less of the time. I would take that opportunity immediately. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's I think it's interesting too because we see that virus is very narrow-minded and he thinks that people should do things the way he does but as rancho brings up in the movie that doesn't lead to thinking that leads to new inventions new ideas new discoveries right. it just makes everyone do the same thing and i think there's also it's it seems to me when when uh when his daughters are talking to him about his his son's death I think he really doesn't believe, at least at first, that his son even did kill himself. I think that he has at least convinced himself that it was an accident. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that kind of, to some extent, contextualizes the death of the first student, Joy Lobo. But then, undeniably, he had a hand in that. You know, And if, if he doesn't see that, it's, it feels like it must be you know, not necessarily intentional, but he is convincing himself. It's not that he misunderstands. And so I think that that makes it, I think each, each death is, or each attempted death is, is, is a little bit worse than the last because after what happened with Joy Lobo and after he's called out for it, you know, there's no, he can't say, I didn't realize when someone directly tells him what happened. It's just, he's completely oblivious that he's doing it again to Raju. He doesn't, somehow doesn't understand, despite talking to these to these boys about their family situations he knows the stress they're under he knows that they have to do this or their family is going to you know not be able to to progress further with their with their lifestyle he knows the pressure and he still says yeah okay expel yourself or expel rancho and then walks away and so i think he gets more and more complicit and i think after he gets called out for the death of joy lobo that is an opportunity for him to sort of uh, st- start to come to terms and have some character growth, and he doesn't. Uh, and he he does later, and I think it's I think it's earned later. I think it makes more sense realistically, and I, I think it works better. But he has the opportunity, and he nearly loses another student because he doesn't take it. And so I think it's I think it's powerful that he that he doesn't get it right then, and that Raju does survive, and that you know there's not more blood on his hands. I think it I think it works really well the way that everything played out. Yeah. And what you're describing of like this sort of denial state that he's in, right? Where he doesn't seem to even recognize that he might have an opportunity to change. Um, This is something I see a lot where people are acting in a way where um, if they even considered that what they were doing was wrong, they would be horrified by their own actions. And the fear of that subconscious or conscious um keeps them from ever truly analyzing their own actions right they because if they were to ever consider that what they're doing was wrong or had the impact that people claimed it did then um they would be horrified by the way that they're acting right and instead of uh ever facing that they'll just dig in deeper and and never go down that path because uh, it's it's too terrible to even consider um yeah, I think that's a pretty human response, honestly, is that, is that state of denial. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think it's surprising how much suicide plays a role in this story. Even Ferran mentions to his parents that um, uh, you know, suicide was something that Rancho was trying to protect him from, right? Uh, this was right. something that it, it almost feels um, permeable. And I wonder... Like, I, I wonder if that's because it's so common or whether that was something that was constantly in people's minds while they're 
in a, a college like this, right? Is this something just, just part of life? It doesn't feel like American movies would ever touch a subject like this. Um, do you feel like, what do you feel about, how do you feel about the role that suicide plays in this movie? I think I agree. I can't think of any examples where something like this is tackled by an American movie, but I, as I've said before, I think if it did, it would be a somber movie. I'm sure there are movies where exactly. this is tackled, but I, but it, I it's not great. Right. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't have these moments of levity and it, it, that's also not a depiction of real life. You know, when, when someone dies unexpectedly, regardless of the circumstances, it's very sad, but you don't stop being a human. You know, you go, if you go to someone's funeral, let's say, and you meet up with friends you haven't seen in a while, you're going to get together and laugh. And sure, that might be shown in scenes here and there, but I think that this movie, more than American movies that would tackle something like this, brings both sides of it to the front of the stage and, and shows a really, a real human experience. Um, as for the role that it plays in the movie, I think it shows the pressure that students feel and the consequences of the expectations that are placed on them by both their parents and the school. Uh, when they feel like they're losing everything, the only way they see out is to take their own lives, which is what we see early in the movie with Joy Lobo when he's told that he's going to fail no matter what. He just gives up. He, you know, They show him hanging in his bedroom and on the wall he just writes, I quit. Yeah. We see later as well with with Raju, he attempts to take his life rather than writing his expulsion letter or Rancho's expulsion letter. He's left with this decision that is terrible to make someone decide. Uh, and it, he implies with his decision here, this is assuming he's thinking clearly, which I would argue he's not. But the the implication of the decision is that his family would suffer less from his death than his failure. And additionally, that he would rather die than to betray his friend, which I think also plays into the sort of friendship dynamic that they're showing, but is obviously flawed thinking. You know, any yep. friend would rather get expelled from a school than have their friend take their own life. Um, but so I think the way that it's depicted in this movie is very raw and very real. You know, we see Raju slowly walking over to the window and it's, like I say, I think it's clear that he's not thinking clearly. It's not... Oh, this is my moment of desperation. He just, he just, it's, he has no way out. And so he just, he just does it. It's not really a thought. It just happens. And I think that it just, I think it's a very realistic representation of sort of what happens when people, especially young people are put under too much pressure without proper support. And when you just feel utterly hopeless, it feels like it's not worth living through and like there is no other option. And I think that I think several times, but especially with Raju, that the movie does a great job of sort of depicting that. Yeah, I think that's uh, it is interesting because I think uh, usually when we see suicide depicted, it's often shown as some sort of character or moral failure, right? It's something where a character can't handle some sort of situation or decides to leave that situation. Whereas this is much more focused on the environment that they're in. And uh, it's not necessarily that suicide is encouraged, more so that um, it just sometimes feels like the only option available, right? The only way out. Um, you know, something I hear, I've heard many times is that suicide is a um, temporary uh, solution. Oh, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Um, right. Because lots of people that commit suicide end up regretting it or attempt suicide and don't succeed end up regretting it later or never attempt it a second time. 
um, there's famous cases of people jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge and, um, and then interviews later finding that 90% of them never attempted it again and regretted even attempting it the first time. Um, and it's, it's simply like a, a moment of weakness, right? It's a moment of, of desperation. Um, and it, uh, it can basically catch up to you all at once and uh, have you end it all. It's, um, I think that this movie certainly uh, feels like it knows what it's doing. Um, it feels like it wants to tackle this this problem head on, and it feels like it wants to do it in a responsible way. And I I I'm I'm impressed with the way that it went about it. I think it's very uh, like moving. I think it means a lot. I think that it's it's not taken um, for granted even for a second. And um, I think that's it's difficult to do this well. But I, it feels like there's some sort of familiarity to this, right? Some sort of um, something like this. This is a problem that cannot be ignored. This is a this is a part of the school story that has to be told, right? If you want to tell an actual story about it. And yeah, like like I mentioned earlier, I think that it's tempting to call this movie like shift, sort of like wildly, like the tonal shift to be very wild. Right, maybe not consistent, but I don't think that's really true. I think that the tone is very consistent. I think that at its core, this movie is just very sincere and very passionate, and it's seriously trying to have a good time um, in its most serious way. And it is passionate about the problems in our world. And although there's lots of silly stuff and raunchy and um, body humor, to me, it's wearing its heart in its sleeve the whole time. It is trying to be funny, and even though I find the fart and piss humor kind of childish, I was laughing a lot, and I honestly didn't care. So when the suicide shows up, I was shocked, horrified, and sad, but so were the characters. I felt my anger represented on screen, and it was cathartic to experience that with these idiots. They, they took it seriously uh, just the same way I would have. And the death in, this movie, death in this movie is a reflection of how death and suicide really is, like you mentioned. It is sudden. It is shocking. It doesn't mean you can spend your whole life moping and worrying. It makes those moments of levity and joy just, as, just that much more precious. And suicide can be a powerful galvanizer for change. I don't think this movie uses it flippantly or carelessly. I think it's brave and powerful choice, and it makes the stakes so much higher and makes this movie so much more real. I, I um, yeah, honestly, it's very moving to me. And um, obviously, if someone is listening to this and feels like you know is considering suicide or anything like that, it's not the solution. It's not going to get you out of your problems. All it's going to do is uh, make everyone else miserable. And I think the um, uh, the the, you know what Ferran says to his parents about how ima- like imagine by your family's uh, smiles disappearing right is uh, certainly true because it's something that I think the people that are living almost never recover from um, even if you're not there to, to experience it uh, I think it's a very um, it's a very powerful thing to show in a movie and I think it's something that honestly can be done poorly very easily I'm surprised like hearing these controversies like reading the list of controversies from this movie um, and on Wikipedia that suicide isn't one that's really brought up it feels like most people have a sort of consensus about how this movie handles it and, and, and shows it in a uh, responsible way I'm also I'm sort of just kind of stumbling onto this thought here and now so I don't know how how I don't know how much sense this makes and I don't know if it was intentional in the movie because it's never really addressed but you know Rancho works to to fix uh, Joy Lobo's helicopter his drone with the camera and then they go to show him that it's that it's fixed that it's completed and that's when they find him whereas 
they were trying to fix his machine that he made that they viewed as the problem. Whereas if they'd gone to talk to him, you know, things might've been different. That would have been a more realistic way to actually solve the problem rather than, you know, saying, Hey, look, we fixed the machine you were making. We finished it for you. Um, that doesn't really, that might deal with the, with, you know, the, the tangible problem he was facing, but not how he was feeling. Um, and I, it never really occurred to me until now that that's not really explored at all in the movie. I don't think it needs to be, but I think it's, whether or not it was intentional, it's there, you know, cause the, cause, because no, no one spoke to him. They were, they wanted to surprise him with the fact that they fixed it. Um, whereas if, if he'd known he had that support, if he'd known that they were helping him or that they, you know, could talk to him, which given their friendship interactions, seems like they could have, he could have talked to them. Um, perhaps things would have, would have played out differently. And I, I think that's also, um, I think it's hard obviously for people to, to deal with and know how to approach these things. But I think especially, like you were saying, especially with, at least in our society, males, the go-to isn't to talk to your friends, especially your male friends, but a lot of the times that's what helps the most. So I I think that's another interesting layer of it of, you know, these are engineering students making machines, but they're also just people, you know, they're, they're people trying to get through it. Right. The drone is only a representation of Joy's dream and his passion and the fact that it's no longer gone, uh, well, that the fact that it's no longer there for him, um, is uh, what, what leads to like his his feelings of desperation, right? You're exactly right, and I think that's um, I, I don't know if that was something that was considered or not, but it certainly feels purposeful that um, you know Rancho and his friends were focused on the wrong problem, right? Um, which is a classic uh stem lord thing to do <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean you look at the scene everyone's around rancho while he's flying the helicopter around yeah. they go up to joy's room he's alone in there you know yeah yeah um yeah what one one uh, thing i really liked about this movie was the um birth scene uh when the power goes out and all the engineers have to come together i was like finally engineers doing something useful uh, look look engineers actually doing something to help someone for once um uh yeah that was that was great and of course rancho is the only one that knows what's going on and is able to apply the learning that he learned he had there and the uh machines that he built to uh to save the baby and the mother um and yeah uh pretty tense honestly i mean it seemed like at, for time at times maybe the mother wouldn't survive or maybe the baby wouldn't survive um, but they uh, they pull it through, and you know, given this movie's subject matter, I didn't know what to expect at all. I was like, "Are they really going to kill yeah. a pregnant woman?" And on like right now, I, I was I would have been shocked, but uh, luckily that's not what happened. I know the first time I watched the movie, especially given you know they end the the all is well musical number with with Joy's body hanging in his room, that I thought at the I thought the scene was going to end with the with the baby being stillborn, and I. I was shocked, but it, yeah. it fit with what they'd done. And of course, then they, you know, they have the, the all is well be the, yeah, what brings him back. back. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I, I didn't know the first time I watched it, if that's where it was going, but it, that's the, that's the thing about the movie. I think that works really well is that it could have gone either way and that's real life as well. You know, you don't know if what looks like it's coming to be a tragedy is going to work out or if it's truly going to be a tragedy. I think it kind of lends itself to be less predictable of, you know, in, in, I don't know a lot about film theory and and the like, but in a Hollywood movie, either everything would work out there or that's kind of the, 
what the the darkest night or whatever they call it. Yeah, where the dark night of the soul. Know, yeah, that's the, right. Yeah, the 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 low point. Uh, whereas this it doesn't really feel like it was quite either. It kind of does it with with faking out that it's a stillbirth is sort of the low point, but ultimately it just is a real life moment where no one in the room, the viewers and the people in the movie know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and all seems lost, but it, I, I, I think that scene was very well done. Um, it felt, it felt very visceral as well with, you know, with the monsoon happening and the flood and everything. And it just, it all felt so desperate and like they were barely able to do what they did. Um, yeah, I think that was a really powerful scene. Definitely. I know you mentioned a little bit, uh, the, how, how, why this movie kind of stretched of uh, kind of trying to cover a lot. And I don't disagree, but I, I wanted to touch again on, I think that starting in the present day and setting up that intrigue works really well because while they start switching back with, they show the college years and then they start tri- switching back and forth the whole time. The mystery is where is Rancho? What happened to him? And I didn't, I don't know if this is a fault of the movie necessarily or fault of me as a viewer, but I was never Chatter's plot where he was trying to find the the inventor guy to, to sign. I didn't care about it, and so yes. that reveal was was fun. But I was like, oh, okay, that's. I wasn't totally invested in his uh, his his little storyline there, but I I think the layout works really well to kind of bookend the 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 showing of their relationship with them all being uh, with Farhan and, and Raju being so excited to see Rancho. They're told that Rancho is coming and that's, you know, Farhan fakes a heart attack on a plane, grounds the plane and then runs away from the people who have him in a wheelchair to go see his friend. Raju runs out without pants because uh, they're so excited to see their friend that they haven't seen in so long. And then you find out that he's missing and then they try to find him and he's not where he's supposed to be. And right. I think that it really, you know, I think part of why it never feels boring or like like it's dragging or like you're waiting for it to end is because it's it's always like well where is he what's going on um and i think that as they as you wonder that they're showing you these scenes of him in college and making you love the character i just think it it works really well the way they have it all laid out uh to just make you fall in love with the character and and hope that he's okay and that they find him it also works when uh raju jumps out the window too right because this seems like a shocking twist to have one of your idiots suddenly die. And then you're like, hold on a second. Right. <laughs> we know he's okay because he's in the yeah. future. And there is still an idiot that's missing. So we still have like we still have the tension there, but there's um it it doesn't uh you know, it's it's kind of uh, alleviated a little bit. And um yeah, I, I thought I, I did really appreciate the mystery. I think that you're right that Chateur's uh sort of like, I'm going to get this you know guy to sign this thing or I, I got this big thing coming. Sort of telegraphs the twist that um, right, Rancho right. is, is Wangu at the end. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't I didn't point the screen and say, oh, he's Wangu. But I was, right. in my mind, it was sort of spinning. I wasn't super surprised when that happened. Um, right. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I was kind of expecting there to be, based on your description from Corey's podcast, to be a little bit more of back and forth between the future and the present, a little bit more of relating. But really, it's sort of, they set up that first part, they go to the college for a long time, and then they kind of cut, they start cutting back in sort of the second half of the movie. Um, and yeah, I kind of like the uh, the, re- like the reflection, right? They were trying to mirroring the same story, as you mentioned, with Pia and everything. So it's, uh, it's a kind of a, a nice little... Uh, way to structure the story 
Um, and I did like seeing them be like 10 years later because the movie does focus so much on success and all that to kind of put that together. Um, but ultimately it's, uh, the, the future or the future or the present setting is sort of lacking in terms of story, uh, especially considered like compared to the college stuff. The most interesting part is when they meet the fake Rancho and they have a picture of him. I don't How do they have a picture? How, how yeah, does his know. picture... Uh, show up in that uh, in that school picture next to virus. They Photoshop his face on top to your ranchos. I don't know, hilarious. Um, but and the other thing I really liked was how Ferran sort of embodied Rancho's energy, and and he kind of fell into that so naturally. He, he mentions that he hadn't done anything like that in ten years, but it, he like as soon as Rancho comes back on the scene, he starts acting like him, right? He starts acting, he starts flaunting institutions, flaunting expectations and starts, um, you know, basically acting completely selfishly, but in a way to, uh, you know, get to where he's trying to go and always being, you know, kind along the way, never quite hurting anyone, just, you know, sort of, uh, you know, playing fast and loose with what the rules should be. Um, Because ultimately faking your own heart attack on a plane, I don't know if that's a, crime or not but it definitely seems like you should get in trouble for it so it's good sort of him to run. A plane might be a crime <laughs> but he but he he gets up and he's like oh i'm fine now he doesn't he doesn't say oh i faked it he says right, oh right. like uh, oh, I'm, I'm, he does some jumping jacks he's like i think i'm a better now and he just books it hilarious but it's um uh that's how we were introduced to sort of rancho's attitude toward life and i like seeing that embodied by his friends I like seeing their confidence and, um, you know, their uh, adherence to a bit, um, uh, just the way that Rancho taught them. All right, Kenny, we are going to head to a break. And then when we come back, we'll hit our cool Easter eggs um, and then our ratings. Hey there, mamas. Just popping on to spill the tea on my new side hustle. I was feeling bogged down and powerless at my 9-to-5 office job when I discovered the company Natural Vibe Freedom Wellness Self-Care Boss Babe Powder. I know what you're thinking. What the heck is Natural Vibe Freedom Wellness Self-Care Boss Babe Powder, sis? Well, I never thought you'd ask. I'd be happy to tell you about my tribe. Natural Vibe Freedom Wellness Self-Care Boss Babe Powder is a brand that is specifically founded to empower women while authentically changing lives. It is an all-natural, green, energy, wellness, anti-bloat formula made to celebrate how beautiful you already are while preying on any particular insecurity that makes you feel like a troll under a bridge when you look in the mirror. If you have any flaw, Our consultants are specifically trained to point it out in an engaging and authentic evaluation where we strip you down to your lowest form and then we fill your online cart with magic powder to put in your Stanley cup to fix you. It's all about the community. You don't have to choke down these powders alone, babe. Content is king, so you can be making money every day by posting clickbait links on Facebook that will lure in other tired moms who will sign up before their husbands realize they've committed. I myself didn't believe the hype about Natural Vibe Freedom Wellness Self-Care Boss Babe Powder until I tried their two-week kickstart anti-food cleanse, and it literally changed my life. I had no choice but to share it with all of you so that I can save other women like me from feeling like they're good enough to eat solid food. 
A powder a day keeps the pounds away. If you join me in the next two hours, you can get a bonus gift of our newest breast augmentation cream, More Chesty Bestie, a technology so new that it hasn't even been approved by the FDA yet. Yes, Bestie, you heard me right. That is groundbreaking. How fresh this technology is, ladies. This cream is chock full of over 666 ground up superfoods that will improve your cup size by at least two sizes. More Chesty Bessie is the hottest up and coming product on the market and it will definitely not cause any rashes or cancer we think. Are you ready to live your most authentic and free life? Are you ready to find yourself? Come join the Girl Power Tribe for only 500 easy payments of $10 and see how Natural Vibe Freedom Wellness Self-Care Boss Babe Powder can power you to elevate your lifestyle. Okay, welcome back to Affable Chat. I'm here with C-Team Podcast's Kenny Cashman, um, and we're going to head right into our cool Easter eggs. Uh, Kenny, you have a couple here. Why don't you tell us about them? Yes, so uh, producer... Vitu Vinod Chopra claimed that Three Idiots would be legally released on YouTube within 12 weeks of releasing in theaters, which would have been a first in the history of Indian cinema, but it never happened as far as I'm aware. Wow. Uh, I know you said you watched on YouTube, but did you, was it YouTube Premium? I, or? Nope, I paid for it. I oh, You paid, paid for, for it. it. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, so it's, apparently it was supposed to be uh, within within 12 weeks on YouTube for free, and it, it it's been a lot longer than that, and that hasn't happened. <laughs> well, that's a shame. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it would have been nice. Would have uh, would have saved me from buying it on Amazon after it was removed from Netflix. But it's worth it. I, I, you know, I my philosophy on buying movies is if I want to watch it a second time, it's worth buying. So I had no problem with that. And another one I have here is at the suggestion of Amir Khan, who played Rancho. The actors actually got drunk for the scene in which they drunkenly go to Virus's house. And this method acting resulted in numerous retakes, and the filming unit had to go to a different movie shoot to get more camera roll after they ran out. <laughs> um, if there's anything I've learned by watching lots of movies and television shows, it's that don't first don't film on the on the open ocean, and the second thing <laughs> is uh, don't let your actors get drunk uh, so that they can pretend to be drunk. <laughs> right. Because it just makes them harder to direct. <laughs> it doesn't actually make them better at pretending to be drunk. <laughs> Um, that's, that's pretty funny though. Uh, I bet that was a lot of fun, uh, while they were doing it. Um, I have a few, uh, apparently Steven Spielberg listed three idiots as one of its, one of his five films that he connects with. And I love this list of movies. The, the other four movies are the Godfather and then <laughs> E.T. and Saving <laughs> Private Ryan and Jaws, which are those three movies are all movies that he directed. So, right. <laughs> I pretty mean, high, high praise, praise he's, pretty yeah. high praise from Spielberg saying this I wish I directed this movie basically yeah yeah <laughs> um, so back in 2008 uh, there were three IIT Bombay graduates um, who were working on drone technology for fun and there was some sort of horrible um, terrorist attack in in India and that led them to focus their efforts and in no time they had uh, prepared a prototype for the unmanned drone and uh, that uh, prototype appears in Three Idiots. So, like, it's... I was trying to figure out what the connection was exactly. I think uh, some of the people that were building it were related to some of the producers or actors on the set. 
But basically, when you see that that drone in the movie, is one of the first times that a dr- like a quadcopter like that was ever shown publicly, um, and that's uh, it's kind of it's kind of interesting to to think about because what you were talking about earlier about how like drone like the drone technology wouldn't be that impressive. Probably true, but this was like one of the first times that someone's ever like built one of these things. Was yeah, that is interesting because like I say, I don't know when the people who I saw commenting online commented about the drone. I don't know if that was, you know, more recent and now drone technology obviously has come a long way in the years since this movie, but it sounds like it would have been actually pretty impressive for a college student to do that. So I was looking up, I was looking up the history of quadcopters trying to find out if this like played some sort of significant role. All I could find was that between 2006 and 2010, that's when quadcopter technology like really took off. Like that's when a lot of advances were okay. made. And this movie came out in 2008 or 2009. So um, it, it was right in the sweet spot uh, as far as like uh, quadcopters go. It still seems impressive to me. Yeah, it seems impressive to me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I wasn't able to f- uh, find any like real evidence of this. I I clicked on all the links from Wikipedia Um but they weren't really able to point to anything real. But I'll read what this says anyway, because uh, I think it's an interesting conversation, which is the film had a social impact on attitudes to education in Asia, including education in India. The overwhelming success and impact on Indian society led to many authors and analysts to take a, to take a case study on the film and the message portrayed. It was also noted for its realistic portrayal and depiction of universities, colleges, and students. According to Jason Mitchie of MidStory, the film may have even played a role in the recent reorganization of the Indian education system designed to reduce tedium and allow children to grow in multiple fields of study rather than those that conform to a narrow idea of success. And it went on to say that it actually had a pretty big impact on Chinese education too. This is one of the biggest movies in China when it came out as well. Uh, although it's been surpassed many times. This movie had was like the biggest movie in India when it came out and then you know, in 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 subsequent years, it's been passed, but it was a huge phenomenon um, on that side of the of the world. Anyway, um, uh, I think this is an, uh, something that uh, kind of goes overlooked in a lot of movies. Um, you know, movies are a huge cultural and art, like cultural uh, touchstone. It's something. It's like you know public art lots and lots of people watch movies lots and lots of people go to the movies and yet the lessons that we see in movies don't seem like they are portrayed or reflected in real life if, if that makes sense right we go to the movies yeah. we see these characters you see the avengers uh working together to defeat Thanos, but suddenly like we aren't banding together to uh take down elon musk or jeff bezos right we're, we're not we're not assembling our own set of avengers uh we're just uh instead paying for twitter so it's a um uh it, it, but this movie apparently has such an impact on uh the people that watched it that it seemed to reshape indian society specifically their education um department uh what do you what do you make of that do you feel like uh this is something this is there's a lesson to be learned here about the impact of movies or or what i think it's tough to say because i know from looking into this movie more um that it was very popular and even it's even fairly popular for a bollywood movie within say the united states yep um 
and so it seems like it would have an impact but it's i think it's also you know there are many factors and this movie serves as commentary on on something but it's not the only commentary i think it kind of came out around a time when the world was sort of shifting to be more aware of of these kind of issues in the school system but then you also have to consider you know were these things becoming more aware because there was representation of them in things like movies. So I think it's, it's hard to kind of put a finger on, you know, what's the cause effect relationship, but I I would say, I, pro- I think it probably helped, um, especially in India. And, you know, if, if it was as popular as you say in China and there were, there were changes, it seems, it seems like that wouldn't be a coincidence to me. You know, even if people were aware of it, I think having a, having a solid representation of it like this that you can look at and point to and and say, you know, look at what's going on. I think that helps a lot of people because, you know, we hear, we hear statistics about terrible things happening every day, but seeing them, even if it's a fictionalized version, seeing them like makes you realize that it's happening, makes you kind of relate to it and connect with it more. So it's, it's tough to say, but I would say, yeah, I think, I, I think it did have an impact. I think you're right. And it's like having a, for lack of a better term, definition, right? Something where you can point to and be like, it's just like three idiots, right? Like, right. you know, it's just like this um, is a big step towards something, right? You're exactly right that fiction is often more powerful than any sort of statistic or documentary, right? Because people don't know what to take from that. But if a movie like this, which is fictional, but... Um, represents something that a lot of people have really experienced uh it it's a lie that tells the truth as i'm fond of saying so it's a i think it's a really i think it is a really powerful thing it's interesting to see to see that uh people at least claim that it had a huge impact on indian society and uh, it makes me wonder what it would take uh for that to happen on our side of the of the world yeah, I mean that's a separate discussion. <laughs> a, I think yeah, well, a lot we're running out of time there. here on Zedcaster, yeah. so we'll move on. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, at the end of all of our affable chat episodes, we deliver a rating of this movie. Kenny, what rating do you give to Three Idiots? I give it a seven and a half minute power nap in which somebody shaves and cuts my nails for me. Excellent, love it. No, uh, you'd have to have what? Um, hold on. This is a funny joke, I swear. Hold on. <laughs> uh, you'd have to have 22 and a quarter uh, power naps in order to watch this movie. Um, oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> this is a lot. Kind of puts it in perspective. <laughs> it's basically a whole month of just watching this movie. Uh, yeah. every, like, it's seven-minute chunks. Um, I give this movie three Scantron sheets. One with all the right answers. One that has just a drawing of a penis. And one that when you put it through the machine, it plays a song. <laughs> very nice thank you uh kenny thank you so much for coming on to affable chat and talking about this movie lending your voice and thoughts to our podcast here where can people find your voice and thoughts normally thanks so much for having me back on uh, it has been a pleasure i am one of three hosts of the c team which has new episodes released every wednesday pretty much wherever you find your podcast we're probably there and if you're not you can let us know uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which is, our handle is at cteamshow. And we have an email that is rarely used at cteamshow at gmail.com if you want to get in touch or send us a topic that you would like us to talk about on a show because we talk about a new topic each week. Excellent. 
Love it. Yeah, please check out the C-Team, one of our sister podcasts. Um, it's important to support the family here. Uh, we'll chat. Next week, we are doing 2001 and Sp- a Space Odyssey. Uh, Benjamin and I are looking forward to slogging through that movie. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Affablechat.com is your new favorite website on the internet. There you can find the latest from us and all our social accounts, including our Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all of which are at AffableChat. And we even have an email address, which is affablechat at gmail.com, just like CTM does. Um, if you like this episode, then, all, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is, all is well. Uh, consider listening to Affable Chat. Um, thank you again, Kenny, for coming on to Apple Chat. Thank you. And thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>